Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. We are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in Times Square here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York, and it is Tuesday, September 29th. And I am your host. The In the news this week, the owners of the Four Seasons restaurant are working on a deal that could move the iconic power lunch spot downtown. Restaurateurs Alex Van Bitter and Julian Nicolini, who was a guest here on the show last year, are quietly negotiating a deal to take over the top of 28 Liberty Street in the financial district. The restaurant will lose its current lease at the Seagram's building at 375 Park Avenue in Midtown in July. Uh, as previously reported, home loan offers should be easier to decipher come October 3rd when mortgage lenders must begin using new consumer disclosure forms that explicitly break down the costs and terms associated with a loan. Instead of receiving four different disclosures in various formats as currently required under the Truth in Lending and Real Estate Settlement Procedures Acts, borrowers will receive now just two. Intended to make the loan process more transparent, the new forms created by the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau look similar and are much easier to understand. They are just one aspect of the regulatory changes dictating how the real estate and lending industries must handle disclosures. Lenders have been gearing up for the rule change for more than a year, for borrowers, the shift will be much simpler. According to the new rules, disclosures must be delivered on a timely schedule. The initial loan estimate must be provided to borrowers no later than the third business day after they submit a loan application. And rents are going up in Manhattan, according to market reports released on September 16th. However, on the bright side, the borough is also seeing an increase in the number of available units. Real estate group Douglas Elliman said uh, Manhattan median rents reached $3,400 in August, which is a 7.1% jump up from a year earlier. The increase marked the 18th consecutive month of rent surges, according to this report. City Habitat said Manhattan pads rented for an average of 3507 last month, the highest that the real estate company has recorded in its 13-year history. Elliman listed downtown Manhattan as the neighborhood with the highest median pri- rent price at 3639 while uptown Manhattan had the lowest with $2,375. City Habitat said Soho had the highest median rent last month, which was $5,045. Both reports said the number of available apartments went up despite the surge in rents. And uptown bidding wars drove the average resale value of Manhattan homes to a record level last month. This is resale. A report released by StreetEasy uh, revealed last <coughs> Wednesday. The listings um, site found that the neighborhoods like East Harlem, Hamilton Heights, and Inwood led the borough's 6.3% jump in resale prices from $924,936 in July of 14 to 983207 last month. This marked the highest Manhattan resale price in the 20 years uh, Street Heasy has been collecting the data. Competition for apartments for buyers priced out of other areas in the borough and in Brooklyn are creating bidding wars that are driving up closing prices. Street Easy says with home buyers being priced out of not only Manhattan but many Brooklyn neighborhoods as well, these northern neighborhoods are attractive now more than ever. The 2015 New York Film Festival, which kicked off September 25th and runs through October 11th, is drawing celebrities to Manhattan. The walk star Joseph Gordon-Levitt attended the much-anticipated screening of his new film. Kristen Wiig, Kate Mara Usher, Kate Winslet, and Edie Falco were also spotted at the festival. And finally, 
Pope Francis has returned to Rome, leaving the United States with a heart full of gratitude and hope after a hectic and very successful trip. The Pope packed a lot of hugs, handshakes, blessings, and political warnings into a period of less than a week that took him to the halls of Washington Power, the U.N., General Assembly, New York City, and Philadelphia. On the plane back to Rome, he gave reporters his first impression of Americans. The warmth has he encountered in the United States surprised him, as well as the varying forms it took in the cities he visited. And many millions of Americans enjoyed watching his many masses. The Pope said it was a beautiful thing and also different. In Washington, the welcome was warm, but more formal. New York was a bit exuberant, and Philadelphia, he says, was very demonstrative. As one CNN reporter said... <laughs> I'm from Pennsylvania, I understand that. It's so, it's so fitting. As one CNN reporter said, quote, I think this Pope is having a global impact across all faiths, all nations, and to have him here in the center of the world... As I say, the greatest moral leader on earth here in the greatest city in the world is a match made in heaven. May and we I, applaud that. Here, here. Tell Amen. You. Absolutely. Here's to the Pope. Yeah, whatever it was religion quite is, profound. Whatever yeah. your religion is, it's amazing that we have like a world leader now, sort of. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I mean, I was raised Hindu, but call me Catholic. Like, seriously, because this guy is so universal in terms yeah. of what he believes in and stands for and how he depicts it. I mean, so far, I feel like in the last, like, I don't know, a few, couple decades at least, like Dalai Lama, I think, has been the only sort of mm -hmm. spiritual leader that has held the same place, maybe Mother Teresa, you know? Yeah. And now mm -hmm. I feel like this Pope mm -hmm. is completely changing the game, which is awesome. Yeah. He really is. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always considered myself more a spiritual person than a practicing mm -hmm. Roman Catholic as I am. And I have to tell you something, you know, I felt like my faith was renewed mm -hmm. this past week. And I don't say that lightly. I say that really seriously. Yeah. So, you know, he had an Im impact on me as he did on millions of people. Um, so I'm, I, I can see. To what you're saying, I Vince, though, I feel like it's because he's a spiritual man and not so much a religious mm -hmm. one. He Absolutely. Is, he is holding, you know, he's holding places like the Dalai Lama is Buddhist. However, what his message is generally universal. I think he, this Pope is doing the same. Right, and he's focusing yeah, on the values that really, that are, are universal values. Yeah, and that yeah. are on yeah. the underpinnings yeah. of Christianity and have right. been so lost for some time, it seems. Yeah. I for find him to time. be, a, it, he's a humanitarian to take it yes. a step further. And it's yeah. when the world and he is the using, yeah. yeah, and he's using the pulpit like it's never been used, yeah. potentially by anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's political, amazing. he's education, he's the environment, he's Everything he's taking a stand is a big risk. yeah acceptance of other religions. Oh I mean, all God. of it. It's awesome. amazing. Yeah. That's what it's I like the best. Acceptance and he's of courageous. all religions. You know, really and perfect. for me, for me, it's the day. Like, I mean, it was like what four days after he he took the papal throne or whatever it's called um, that he went and washed. Yeah, that that he went and washed the feet. Of uh, of uh, prisoners. And prisoners. Yeah. Yep. The second he did that, I got chills, and I was like, "That is the first time I actually said, call me Catholic." Mm -hmm. I'm, it was it was pretty moving, yeah. yeah. Very moving week, and like I said, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, his presence here in the United States and in the cities that he visited will make a difference. Certainly, the Catholic Church could use his changing abilities, which he's already done. So let's keep our our prayers uh, with him. And as he said all week, let's pray for him. That's so, uh, it. For anyway, his safety and well-being. Absolutely. Speaking of humility, <laughs> wow. Pray for me, he said all the time. Anyway, joining me today is Perul Brombat, Niall Lundgren, Phil Horrigan, Rachel Altschiller is calling in, and Ivy Ray. Good morning, everybody. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. This is my, I promise, the last Rachel, week to call in, and then I'm back to reality. 
uh, we have a speaker problem here in the in the studio, so they can't all hear you. But yes, Rachel's still on holiday. She will be back very soon. And end of summer officially. End of summer officially. Exactly. Well, we can't wait to have you back. Anyway, let's Thank get right to it. You. So what to do when your lease renewal um, rolls around and your landlord wants a whole lot more money? So this is a this is a burning question for lots of us. I've been in the middle of that controversy um, for a long time, and we're not talking necessarily stabilized apartments or rent control apartments where you have, you know, uh, certain percentage increases. This is just a free market, open market rent, and your landlord decides, hey, look, you know what? I want to raise you three hundred dollars more a month. Uh, my month. landlord went up six fifty on me last year. A month. A month. Free market apartment. Yeah. Wow. So I could, you know, I know I need to turn this over to Phil in about one second. But <laughs> but I think we've all had that, and I had yeah. them come up on me $2,000 a month. Oh, my God. When I God. had my former husband, I was in the first apartment in the meatpacking with my son, and it was home via connections. I got an outrageous place in meatpacking. Oh. And when my lease expired, they leveled me. That's I took crazy. them to court. I lost. Yeah, no, it's a free market apartment. I didn't apartment. even know what a free market yeah. apartment was, which is for the listeners, Vince. Somebody explain, you know, there's rent stabilized, rent control, and then you sign a lease thinking you're protected somehow. Right. They can do anything they want. Well, the, uh, I was going to say that, the, I mean, there are a lot of laws that protect tenants. I would say, if anything, it's a very tenant-friendly city. Landlords know that. That's why they ask for so much paperwork Correct. when you apply for an apartment because it's very difficult to get a tenant out of an apartment. However, mm. there's a few th- controls that the landlord does have or a few things they can do. One is... If it's a free market apartment, they could raise the rent to whatever they want. However, they're in a business. They don't want, they, all else being equal, they wouldn't want to get you out of the apartment. They would rather you stay there. Again, all else being equal, assuming that your rent is relatively market rate, they'd like to work with you. Most tenants assume that it's not negotiable. So the first thing I would say is Agreed. whenever you get a landlord to state, here is what I'd like your next, next year's rent to be. Don't take it at face value. Always ask or try to negotiate, hey, Agreed. what if you do it for this price? That was the first right? thing I was yeah. going to say because that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, they, they said they wanted to raise it $650, and I definitely talked them down from that by about $300. That's a big, so, that's a big difference. Yeah, so yeah. I almost split it. Yeah. So I, I, I took my guys yeah. to court, and I lost. <laughs> <laughs> and they ended up, I had a $3,100 apartment, and they rented it for 62 Wow. wow! This was nine years now, ago. Let me ask you, what it was, was it worth? An extraordinary apartment. Yeah, the I, thing I, is, yeah. way this was so far above market value. Maybe oh, at really? that point, it was worth four thousand. Right. I think there may six two. I'm not a lawyer, but there may be a, a rule on the books that if if you can prove that they were doing it in a discriminatory way to get rid of you for some reason. No, they wanted that money for their apartment, and I was unable yeah, then to nothing, pay it. There's nothing. There was I have a question. The judge just said, "Do you want to pay this?" Right. They're not budging. Yeah. I have a You're question. wasting can my you, time. Can you can you get a crying. right of first refusal? On your own apartment, in other words, can you say, if you are able to get a rent of whatever amount, if you can prove to me that somebody else is willing to pay 6000 <laughs> then let me match it first, given I'm the sitting tenant. I mean, that sounds fair, but I don't believe, again, I'm not a lawyer. I, rent yeah, case. no, I don't believe that that's possible yeah. either, right. but it sounds like something. Sounds like a fair negotiation to me. So. Right. I, I like that as well. I have no idea if it's legal. We have yeah. to go to break, okay. but I do want to continue this uh, conversation on the other side because I do have a few more important questions. We will be right back. Don't go away.
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Back, and we were talking before the break about rentals. And if your landlord comes to you with an increase that is really kind of bizarre, very high, and some in some cases, as Ivy was talking about before, out of nowhere, how does a landlord really increase uh, your rent for $2,000 more a month or in Perul's case, $650 a month? So my question is, you know, what are the rules for, and we understand rent uh, regulations, uh, uh, rent stabilization and rent control, but in the free market, open market, you know, situations, what are the rules or are there any? I mean, and why... Better said, how do people protect themselves when they're choosing an apartment, you know, knowing that they may be there for five, ten years, but they don't want to necessarily move because they get increased, you know, so high that it's not affordable anymore. What, what can they do to protect themselves in finding the right place and to making sure that they got the, a good landlord? I mean, I think it's tough, but I think it's back to a landlord really does not want to get you out of the apartment. I mean, if, if you're paying your rent on time and if you're paying market rate, they really, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense for them because if you get out of the apartment, now there's vacancy risk for the landlord and the apartment may be, may be vacant for a few months. They'd rather, all else being equal, a good landlord would actually rather have a good tenant pay slightly below yeah. the market rent. That's, that's what a lot of good landlords will tell you. Um, but what I would suggest is when you get that renewal, Usually you get it 60 days before the lease is up. And I would strongly suggest that you go out and you see what else is on the market and you get educated to see, is this price that the landlord is asking fair? You can also get an agent involved. Don't be bashful. I don't know about you guys, but I get a lot of phone calls Mm -hmm. from my former clients and from Mm -hmm. landlords Mm -hmm. wondering, hey, uh, this renewal is coming up. What should the rent be? And, And I get that all the time. But even if you can't negotiate the rent, which from my experience, I would say more than half the time you can um, if you ask, a lot of people assume you, cause they, what happens is you just get in the mail, the new lease yeah, with exactly. the rent. Mm-hmm. There isn't any kind of question from the landlord or statement that says, Hey, uh, here's the new rent. Are you okay oh, with that? Yeah. Are you okay <laughs> with that? What do you think of it? Yeah. It never happens. So because of that, tenants assume it's like a final negotiation, but it's not, it, it's the beginning of a discussion. But I, I will say that you could sometimes use it as a way to negotiate other things. For example, mm-hmm. Let's say you can't negotiate the rent and the landlord really does want to keep you as a tenant. Perhaps you can get another negotiation in there. Maybe you can say to the landlord, look, I might be purchasing a place 
I mean, you don't have to tell them that you're purchasing a place, but let's say you know you might be purchasing a place in the next year, you can try to negotiate, for example, a 60-day out clause where, okay, so I'm going to sign a new lease, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you 60 days notice if I want to get out. Some landlords do allow that. Um, not all. Sure. Some will say absolutely, but some will say, okay, fine. And this way, even though you have to pay the rent that they're asking, you're at least able <coughs> to get out with 60 days notice. And that'll, that'll really help you. And the other thing that I've negotiated in my 10, almost 11 years in this apartment now is um, capital improvements. So I've gotten them to redo my floors. I've gotten thing. them yep. to redo my bathroom completely. Yeah. I've gotten them actually, well, I tried to get them to put in my amazing skylight and they, they refused to do uh, and I said I will do it with my own money and then they relented and they said fine wow. you know you cut a hole in the ceiling and put a skylight yeah I'm all by myself well, I know still <laughs> no, but even if I can actually see that happen <laughs> <laughs> I'm just surprised Not that the all, landlord even allowed that's, that's a really big yeah, yeah. You've got a lot. Yes, yeah, I've, I've I mean, gotten quite a bit yeah. out of, you know, different. Every, whenever they raised the rent, I said, can you, ne- I negotiated that. They'd say no. And then I would get something else done yeah. in the apartment instead. And people don't realize. I mean, right. we're brokers, so we really take full advantage of our circumstances. Yeah. But I think the biggest, most important thing that's, that you keep bringing important. up is that you guys have much more power than you're aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Everything is negotiable, and and unless they say no on something, and then you go over here. There's five things you want done. You can simply say, "I'll do the kitchen floor. I will redo the cabinetry and the bathroom. I'm going to put track lighting in the living room. Will you pay fifty percent?" Because you know, the answer is, no, and it's just fifty percent. Yes, you've right. got a deal. The right. important question is also, why is it? Because that's actually a tax write-off. Yep. for the landlords. So if you understand where you're helping them as right. well, yeah. they're right. improving this apartment right. that makes it more valuable. Of it's also course. a tax break. So you really and you're at willing that point, to do all the work and get the materials and hire the yeah. guys Absolutely. and do it without it without the, yeah, yes. without it costing them a month's rent because right. they're doing it while you're still living exactly. there. Yep. Exactly. So really you're it's helping them out. The other reason why they don't want to kick you out is because for instance if your rent is about $5,000 a month, if the, mo- the if apartment sits vacant for even one month, exactly um, between you moving out and the other people moving in, the landlord now has to recoup another five hundred dollars per month for the mm-hmm. other eleven months just to break even right. from losing that month right. at the old rent, right? right? right. So it's those. It, it, just do your math. Do your math. You know. Yeah. All right, on the heels of that and moving on, if you ask New Yorkers who've moved to the city in the last 15 years how it's been going, you would find a few common themes. The rent and cost of living is high, uh, of course, but once people get bitten by the New York City bug, so to speak, they find it hard to leave. New York is where my heart beats, says one New Yorker who moved to the city originally for school, tried to leave after, but eventually came back. It's where my soul is happy, she says. I had to come back. On the con side, one Upper West Sider originally born in Brooklyn moved to California for 35 years, but is now back and bemoans the loss of mom and pop shops and says Columbus Avenue now looks like the inside of a mall with all of these trendy stores, mm-hmm. all of these high glitzy stores. You know, so we talked a little bit of little bit about this last week. You know, what is this really about? What you know, this New York City bug that bites you. We all fall in love. We all get addicted. We can't seem to leave. Some people do. Some people come back and say, I don't know how I left to begin with. But yet, we will all complain about everything being so expensive. <laughs> Parul just said, you know, uh, $5,000 for, for an apartment rent. And trust me, these days, that's on the low side. So <laughs> speak, speaking Crazy. to middle yes. America, speaking to people around the world as this show uh, gets broadcast to, 
people think, oh my God, $5,000 a month for rent. Are you out of your mind? So why do we deal with this? What is this really about? Yes, we are out of our minds, and that's why we love New York. No, that's a joke. <laughs> but, you know, really. I'll just say, you know, we, there, I'm on that crazy book, so yes. <laughs> some of the best of almost everything in every kind of aspect of culture, in education, in music, in food, we have some of the best, and in, often in a concentrated dose in this city. And that kind of says it all and it's a melting pot and it's diverse. I think you also you can't have love without hate and vice versa and I think that this city you'll find uh, the New Yorkers, the true New Yorkers there are, there are just moments of true love and then there are moments of hostility and anger and, and that's I think what draws people and keeps us here is the up and down and the emotional aspect of living here and the stimulation. So it's not for everybody, but I think for the most part, it, it really is the most exciting place in the world. Well, let me ask a question, and, and I'm guilty of this as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, again, we all complain about, you know, having, you know, a lot of expenses and whatever. And you go out to dinner and you come home and you realize, I just spent $160 for dinner and it's just one night. Tuesday. And you think, it is Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I have, you but know, then, 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 then you say, I don't have to drive anywhere and I just save money by walking. Well, okay, so we... (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, I'm on the same page. I think the same way. These are my justifications. Well, at least I don't pay for car insurance and all these other things that I come up with. Mm -hmm. And after I spend $160 for dinner, I'm calling an Uber car to take me home. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's 1 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, everything is relative. So people, again, listening around the world think, well, $160 is kind of like my eating out budget for the month. Right. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know yes. if Rachel's talking because I can't no, hear she's her. Not. So all I want to say quickly, because I want everyone to be able to talk, is that you need to get creative. And people that are listening that are not multimillionaires, I am not either. <laughs> and even when I'm doing unbelievably well in my life, I am a consumer that's conscious. So I have a problem with throwing money away. And there are so many things you can do seven days and nights a week in New York City that are brilliant for free. Mm-hmm. And you can have people over for dinner and cook the most amazing meals and spend a fraction of what you'd spend out. And you can mm. go take out and you can sit on benches and you can go to that's museums true. and you can eat. And there are all these places now that you can BYOB. So you go and you have great friends food and then you go buy a $25 bottle of wine instead of spending. There's so many ways to save money. I You've agree. Got yeah. to, I, I agree. That's the difference with, with, uh, with why people like New York because I'm like you. I do the same thing. I like to entertain at home. I do entertain at home quite a lot, but I think most people here in this town don't. But I you think can go like out creatively out. is what I'm saying. And yeah, we have can. so you many can, great restaurants can, but that aren't an arm and a leg. Here's the thing, though. That is very true. I mean, in ah. fact, you can get the best falafel. I'm going to shout out to Taim. It's my favorite. Oh, and I'll shout out to Mustache. Yeah, for like They're seven, eight, uh, nine falafel. bucks. Amazing, right? But on the other side, I honestly, I'm ashamed to say this, and my mom would like freak out right now, but um, <laughs> but I honestly don't know if a cup of orange juice is supposed to cost $3. Five, I don't either. Seven. That's the problem. I don't know anymore. And I grew up in York, Pennsylvania. I mean, my father right now would Love is York, probably texting me saying, "What are you talking about?" Uh, right? Yeah, but uh, I'm but saying we, OJ we is one twenty-five at the corner exactly, diner. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't we've lost all yeah. sight in a lot of ways of what things are even. I went to, to the cost. store for my mom last week, and I was staying up there. She's recovering from from a kidney problem. But anyway, so I went to the store, and she she gave me a list of stuff that she needed. So I just 
loaded up the cart with all the stuff. I came home. And she said, my God, how much did you spend? I said, I don't even know. And she looked at the receipt and she said, well, you paid too much money for the milk and you paid too much money for this. I said, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it's supposed to cost. So how do I know I paid too much? And are there choices? What are the choices? What am I going to go do? Go to Long Island somewhere? On on what you just said, I have no clue. Not even Hoboken, right? In middle of Jersey, I guess. I don't know. No idea. The idea of of cooking with friends and and bringing people over is is about creating like a a different kind of culture. Oh, you know, One that, that, that dates back. And I have a friend, his name is... Chris Shembra, he's yeah. a close friend of mine. Every Friday he does uh, food with friends. Mm. And oh. he brings people. It's actually incredible. I've been to it. I was at the inaugural dinner. He has a studio apartment. It's not bigger than 400 square feet. But he has a Murphy bed. Mm-hmm. He pulls a Murphy bed back. He has a table that's expandable. He has you know 20 chairs in there. He cooks these amazing dinners, brings the most amazing people together. I and he feels, it's in, he feels it's his duty to you know get away from just going out and so and every Friday food with friends food with friends and uh, he's not only awesome. he has a 400 yeah. square foot yeah, it's, studio it's and somehow yeah. he has figured out how to make that space his bathtub has his golf and is it a potluck oh, dinner or does he <laughs> order in how does it work you're yeah. like looking in his bathroom like oh yeah. my and god and he has a Murphy but bed it's and, perfect yeah. and it's he amazing it's cozy he cooks we, his own dinners and it just creates an unbelievable right culture on. Yeah. So you, he couldn't even have those dinners somewhere else because he's able to get that many people exactly. together because exactly. he's in the city. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole point of that is he's bringing them to him in his apartment. Yeah. He's cooking for them. He's it's feeding a, them and loving them. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Uh, we do it at my place. We also have movie night at one of my friends' house. Yeah. And we do it every other week. And we watch TED Talks or we watch Integral Theory or we watch films. And then we have Wonderful. two hours discussions after. Wonderful. And we all bring our own food. And I my life is pulling it back to old like school. It sounds like dinner for the Jewish faith. And yeah. i got to tell you something. I kind of really something like about There's it. something about that. Every Friday evening yep. they get together with their family yes. and they're, they're close friends and they share dinner and, and, yep. and pray. And wow, I mean, that's all beautiful. I've always always kind of admired that, you know, those dinners. And now something like this makes it even more possible. Anyway, we have to go to break. We will be back to continue our conversation. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. 
That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. So I guess the consensus around this table is we're still bitten by the New York City bug and we aren't going anywhere, at least in the short term. <laughs> and the prices are rising everywhere. And the I prices say are that. rising you everywhere. People in they Alabama are. that are having the same complaints. They eat organic. They can't believe what they spend. Everyone spends more on groceries mm-hmm. than we ever have. Groceries all around the world or, or all around the, so the country, expensive. I should say, is expensive. You can get a good house for far less money anywhere, but but groceries, I agree. Hey, Vince, I mean, one thing, I know you wanted to move on, but yes. is it okay if I just say, um, just to get back to the original, kind of the original question, not talking about food as much, but just like why New York? I, I think about this, and my answer sometimes changes, but I do feel like a lot of people that live in New York don't want to feel like they're, quote, missing out. And when you're in New York, you never feel like that. Because there's the best of everything here, you know, and um, and if you don't want to do this, you can do this job, or maybe the, I mean, you know, it's hard to do. It's a tough city to compete in, but the best of everything is here, you know. I'm laughing, Phil, because you're <laughs> right. You're right on it. When I moved into the city, you know, finally full time, 20 years ago already, 20 years full time, I remember in my first you know, full time apartment in, in town. I would like not want to go home. And, and sometimes I would find myself just standing <laughs> on the street outside because I was afraid I was going to miss something. Yes. Yes. And I was, wanted to take it all yes. in. Yes. And I remember yes. saying this to a friend of mine and she said, oh my God. She said, I used to do the same thing when I first moved into the city. She said, I would come home from friends and just kind of hang out on the sidewalk a little bit. And, and just, I said, wow, that's it's, exactly what I used to do. Yeah, I, I walked You don't everywhere. do that anymore, and do I you, I walk everywhere. Yeah. No, I don't. Now you are so ready to go home and yeah. it's like 6.30. Right. And you Gotta send go. out the text that says, Guys, I'm putting on my PJs. I'm going to bed early. Gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. So, despite the march of glassy condo buildings around it in the neighboring areas like Tribeca and Soho, the financial district, Chinatown has managed to avoid becoming like them. Now, we've talked about all these neighborhoods on the program from time to time, but how? It's not anyone's uh, idea of cheap or at least not anymore, unless you've locked down one of its many rent-regulated apartments, as we talked about earlier, that is. But the fact that it has retained so many small businesses and a large Chinese population is a feat unto itself. As it turns out, this didn't happen by accident. So why is Chinatown so untapped? I'd love to hear this, because I actually don't know the oh, answer. Oh, it's fascinating. All right, we'll share. Do you yeah, have a lot I mean, of info? I, I live down I'm loaded. There. Yeah. So I live on Go. the border of Little Italy and Chinatown. I live on Baxter Street, and I do Baxter. live. I live in. A, I live in a rent stabilized apartment that I've been in for years. Um, so the free market conversation, where they're mm-hmm. raising rents earlier, I'm like, oh man, let me stay out of this one. Thank yeah. God, I'm not but, in that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I signed. You know, rent stabilized is if you sign a one year lease versus a two year. It's a. It's a. I believe it's a one percent increase yeah. versus a two percent increase. So I just keep signing one year leases over and over and over again. Um, but being down there, I mean. I've been down there for about five or six years now, and it's been incredible to see the growth and change. When I first got down there, um, it was kind of desolate on the, in, the, in the Baxter Street area, but now as Soho kind of trickles down, the Nolita is trickling down. You see streets, for example, Mott Street is one of the main mm-hmm, streets. Absolutely. Um, and if you look at what's happening on Mott Street, the street between um, Hester in Grand on Mott mm-hmm. is still almost all fish markets. Mm-hmm. That that's that whole strip. But the block above, which is um, Grand in Broom, that that block that block is was like that five years ago, mm-hmm. and that is now being infiltrated by non-Chinese uh, buyers of multifamily buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my close friends is actually a landlord, and he bought a building on Mott Street between Hester and Grand. And that building, it has literally a fish shop at the, at the basement. And 
what he's done is he he's set up shop down there in Chinatown, and he has a whole bunch of uh, Chinese speaking uh, you know folks that work with him, and they go around and they have relationships with these landlords. It's very hard to penetrate like that that sort of market when you're not Chinese. You they got it. They don't want to deal with you. So yep. what he's been doing, um, not to give away his secrets, but he has kind of an army of people working for him, and they've been working on this one guy for the building that they just recently purchased. They worked on him for about two years, but because they ended up purchasing there, that now has given him and his partners credibility in the area to now go go and you know speak to other Chinese landlords because these yeah. two guys who sold the building to them now vouch for them. And now, now they're, they're looking to make different changes. So they're going to get the fish shop out of there. They want to put a trendy coffee shop or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. in there, which once that happens, two of them happens, three of them happens, yeah. and all of a that sudden, but there's some pops. Change, yeah. Okay, so fascinating, and it's very cool you live there. Yeah. I, I've never lived there. It's one of the only neighborhoods I've ever lived in. But the, I guess in the 60s and the 70s and the 60s, Chinatown, didn't it used to be like five, what's it called? The Irish. It was It was part formally, of five points? Yeah, it was five points. But so for the listeners that don't know, Chinatown, you can help me with the, uh, with the boundaries. It goes a few blocks east of the West River on Canal and goes all the way to the developments, the, the low-income housing that is now housing like 3,000 Chinese people, low-income. But the fascinating thing about Chinatown, and those of us that live in New York City, that think about it, and people even in real estate that wonder. So it's a very small pocket for the listeners of pure Chinese. So you've got retail shops, you've got fish stores, you've got produce, you've got fruit, you've got, you've got everything you can think of. And then you've got all of the doctors. You've got their own lawyers. It's like a city unto itself. Of course. So I've done research on it because I'm fascinated. It's the only pocket left of New York that is not getting developed. Well, I want. Well, it's shrinking be, though. It's shrinking. Well, I know, but here's the, here's the deal. In the '60s and the '70s, like 60 buildings were bought. They have pastors. They have attorneys. They have educators. They have professors. So you they think have that's why real estate moguls? They own it. So that, that's and why you think it's protected. they are not, it is completely protected. Who bought the 60 know, buildings? You know what though? It's Chinese all, Chinese. all Chinese. And a good portion of these buildings are owned by 12 different people. But here's people. the thing, it's I think what's right happening, now, I think way. what's happening is money speaks. I know, and but And now that the city has become so expensive and these buildings that were bought at peanuts back in the day uh, are now worth so much money they s- that the edges keep on getting smaller and smaller but and the smaller. the bottom line is it exponentially. is owned by them. They have an infrastructure right. that is a nosebleed. But at well, the end of the day, that kind of money, I mean, the question is, if you owned if you owned one of those buildings that your family bought for $5,000 in the 60s, right. exactly. and now somebody's somebody's giving you $15 million for it, are you going to sell? Well, and ultimately, to that's it. what's and happening. And now keep in mind, with all of this Chinese money coming into the United States, into New York City in particular, because of their you know sluggish economy and, and wanting to invest in this, in this town, I mean, I can only imagine them buying up almost... Anything that's available All right, in here's Chinatown. The deal. And Lord knows what the future becomes here's after those the purchases. Deal. It'll be, you get to watch to see if human beings are going to greed out. What their aim is as a community and their infrastructure, again, is mind-blowing. You should do the research. Mm-hmm. You should go to the town meetings. If people that have gone, I can't. I'm not allowed in. But their mm-hmm. infrastructure is unbelievable and ancient, and they take care. It's, a, it's an ethic thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a family thing. thing yeah. They take care of their old people. They take care of their Absolutely. children. So yeah, all yes. I want to say is yes. that 
their aim, because now in Boston, in Washington, D.C., in Philadelphia, and I forget where else, were the other largest Chinatowns in the United States. They've all, yeah. they've all had happened what is happening to New York City and what you're predicting or wondering if it will go on. Their aim is to be the hub for the immigrants and to be the one left in the United States that is a micro of the macro, which is China. Well, mm-hmm. This well, is their aim. Well, for now, and including little, little Italy, but going back to that Upper West Sider who came back to New York from California after 35 years and complained that Columbus Avenue now looks like a glitzy shopping mall. One of the good things about those two neighborhoods downtown is they still are mom and pop. They still are cultural and they still are small. It is virtually unchanged with the exception of the And unchanged. So, but let's see, you know, going forward we'll what, happens what happens down there. It's and happening. I'm it's, rooting yeah. for I, I know a lot of the guys I that are down it's, there. I believe it's about to happen. And it's, yeah. it, it is it's, happening. No, no, it's not about it to. It is it's, happening. It's been it's, happening. It's been happening. And it is it's, happening. It's, they sold that one building for $22 million. You know, they've sold one large building, but there's a commitment. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not. I'm reporting news. Let's let's move (laughs) on. And I have hope. I'm going to add one thing. I I said this a few months ago on the show. I really think that the city needs to subsidize mom and pop shops to keep them in business. Um, Otherwise, there's no way that that is going to survive in a world of, I mean, really, we can't go to the U.S. Open or a Giants game or whatever without paying an arm and a leg for a ticket because of the corporate people buying Absolutely. up tickets, whatnot. So, I mean, in any direction we look, it's really tough for the single guy, the corner store, to fight, you know, against the bulk buying corporations. Although, uh, Vince, do you know Chirping Chicken? Yes, of course. Chirping Chicken, is that's the only one that exists, right? Chirping Chicken. Uh, the one on Amsterdam and In whatever. the world, right? Yes, okay. it's the only one. That's clearly a mom and pop, one one location. That place does such Amazing. an unbelievable amount of Amazing. business. Yeah. So, to my... See, I look at I'm, I maybe very have a very capitalistic sort of mindset. I think it's you got to be careful with the government subsidization because ultimately you want business to succeed because it's doing well. It's investing in its advertising infrastructure community. This place is doing unbelievable <laughs> business, and it's probably not going anywhere anytime no, soon, right? No. And so no. I do think that the challenge is That's to the an mom anomaly, and pops, though. right? It is, but I do yeah. think the challenge is to the mom and pop. So I do think that they. You know they 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 need to look at some of these guys coming in and what could they do because ultimately I think we New Yorkers want to go to the mom and pops Listen, we really do we don't want the big guys coming in think about well, how many times you stop in the bodega on the way home on the corner to pick up a couple of little items I mean to me that's the only mom and pop totally. that's really left the little deli yeah. neighborhood yeah. Yeah. and if those little yeah. things go away too though of course they are <laughs> and not because only every that. other corner is a bank or a he, CVS I mean here's it's getting the crazy. saddest truth for me. I have one bodega on that is clearly mom and pop on one side of the street, and then they have a Seven Eleven on the other, like literally across across the across the street. But here's the thing: how that. often do I carry cash? Now right. this mom and pop shop, unless it's an over ten dollar purchase, they want cash. Same with yep. mine. I don't have cash on me nine out of ten times. Me too. So I'm going to the Seven Eleven to pick up my coconut water because it's a $4 purchase that I can make on my debit card over there mm-hmm. versus not and at the shop. And that's a bad decision for them to do. And See, it, that's it the is. kind of thing. See, it like, is. And they don't recognize that. They don't, that. They don't, right. exactly. they don't recognize that But they that have yet. to pay exactly. for that as well. Right. And they don't have the revenue perhaps. And does it matter enough to people? I know I have places I have to pay cash. 
I don't carry cash. I actually I have cash, cash in my wallet for a couple places because I want to support them. <laughs> That's yeah, great. It's I had a dig in my, in my it, wallet this morning it. to get $2 to get a cup of coffee yeah. out the corner because you can't give the coffee vendor a, a debit card, yeah. which I live That's by. Yeah, yeah. Well, so do I because for taxes yeah. it's easier. You have it for all For me, if card. I have cash on me, it all goes to homeless people. Like it really, I mean, it falls <laughs> out of my pocket. It does not stay in my wallet. I mean, I think anybody who's walked down the street well, can attest to that. I've seen it. For sure. Anyway, moving on before we go to break, it's a truism that New York City apartments, and this is on the heels of talking about you know the high cost of living in New York City, but it's true that uh, New York apartments are often cramped, loud, storage deficient, and damn expensive compared to, say, some semi-detached dwellings on the outskirts of pretty much anywhere else USA. But despite or maybe because of all the hassles, we have a way of growing fiercely attached to the things we do like about our living situations and our apartments, plus negatives uh, have a way of becoming positives. Absentee landlord, for example, more freedom to decorate and throw parties. So when we come back from break, I'm going to ask how and why do we love our New York City apartments as much as we do? But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Yes. Full of us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, buddy, we are back for our last segment. And my panel oh my today God. is Parul Brombat from Compass, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Bill Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group, and Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Element. And before the break, we were talking about uh, why um, we still love living in New York City as those of us who've gotten bit by the city bug. We also complain about everything being so expensive. And, you know, now we look at the stuff in our own apartments and we say they're cramped. Sometimes they're loud, depending on where you live. Definitely storage deficient. We never have enough closet space or storage space, whatever. But we still are there. And when it comes down to it, we just love our apartments. So my question, most of us anyway, my question is, so, you know, what do we love about our apartments? 
given given all of the things we talked about on today's program, is it is it our sanctuary? What is it about our apartments that we love so much? I hope my landlord's not listening right now. Otherwise, <laughs> he's going to pop up my rent another five hundred dollars this year. Right. Uh, but my apartment's awesome, and I mean it's a walk up, but it's the top floor fourth floor so it's not too bad of a walk up what is that a penthouse I have it's the penthouse it's a penthouse um, yeah. yes and it's a it's got 14 foot ceilings I have exposed brick 14 two, foot ceiling yeah I have oh. two fireplaces mm. I wow. have my skylight I've got bamboo wood flooring keep in mind this is not what the apartment looked like 10 years ago when I moved no, in. of course not. But I've done a lot of one thing at a time, work, work, work on it. And for those and that are really listening, it's a rental and she's doing the this The way, work. yeah, the, yeah. I've changed the way that apartment looks and feels in such a way, but it had, always had great bones. It had great bones. Um, I can't tell you enough how much I love it. And it's on like, you know, it's right, Union Square West-ish. So it's great location, so central. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. But seriously, I, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. I have a great apartment. I love my apartment. And sometimes it's my sanctuary and it's my you know, place to get out of the city. But yet I'm still in the city when I close that door and I lock that door. No matter what time of the day it is or, or evening, whatever, it's my place. It's my home. It's comfortable and it works for me. But, and I hear this from most people in, in town that they just love their apartments for the amount of time you know, that you spend in it. You know, Again, being New Yorkers, we don't spend a lot of time at home because we are foot soldiers, we're on trains, we're running around the city, and, and in real estate it's even uh, more hectic. But when we are home, you know, it kind of makes up, I think, for all of the other expenses and all of the other stressful moments in town. I close my door, whether I'm watching TV, reading on my iPad, whatever I'm doing – it's my home, and no one can infiltrate that and make it you know, mm-hmm. anything else but my place. I mean, do you all feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, essential to have a sanctuary. Can you guys hear me? Yes, Even Rachel, go ahead. I know people. Yeah, I think what's interesting about being in the country um, this week and throughout the summer at multiple times, I found myself, I couldn't wait to get out. And being home wasn't, it didn't feel as good. And so I would constantly be like, let me get outside. Let me walk around. And what's interesting, I just realized that by you asking the question, then, is that in the city, it's the complete opposite. When I lived in a 300 square foot apartment, I mean, with barely a kitchen, I couldn't wait to get home because it is your sanctuary because you're on the subway and you're touching, you know, everybody by half an inch and there's crowds everywhere and people are bumping into you. And so it's really interesting, uh, the city versus being in suburbia or in the country, it's completely opposite. I totally agree. You wanted to finish your thought, Ivy, you were saying something before. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear what Rachel said because we can't hear her. I, know I we can't simply, hear her today. Of course, there's always a whole lot to say, especially about our homes. I want to say that whether you have a 400-square-foot space, as Niall's friend does, that makes it a casbah for people on Friday nights, regardless of what we have, it's essential to have a heaven. (laughs) You've got to be able to go, whether you're Mm -hmm. walking up six flights or popping on an elevator, to get into your home in New York City is, you know, it's essential. It's where you stop. It's where you get held. It's where you unwind. It's where you... Take your clothes off and put your house clothes on, whatever those are. I mean, it's where, you know. And I think anyone anywhere does that. I call in them New York bed clothes. <laughs> you call them what clothes? Bed clothes. Yeah, I have a whole array. I'll yeah. leave. I'll leave that out. But but I but I, I agree. And what Niall was saying before about his friend, you know, with the with the um, 
food for friends, you know, event on Friday night. Again, I like to entertain. And so when I do that, I don't do the, the Friday night thing, but I'm going to consider thinking about that. But the point is, you know, to bring people into your sanctuary, uh, into your home, to me, is a wonderful thing. I love yeah, sharing yeah. my home with people uh, on a regular basis if I can, you know, find the time to do that. But so I think everybody has their own, you know, um, uh, likes and 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 attachments to their home, their castle. I did want to ask a question though, because we talked mostly on this program today about rentals, and you know, Perul has indicated that she's done work in her place. I have done work in my place, but typically in rental apartments owned by uh, you know sponsors and landlords and stuff, you can't do work. So f- my question to you guys is. Why can some people do work improvements in their in their rental apartments and others can't? For example, my neighbor next door is doing uh, a complete kitchen renovation now. I'm living in my apartment 11 years. He's probably there 12 or 13 years before me. Uh, and when I moved in, my entire apartment was renovated by the sponsor. So I have a pretty renovated place. But And his was too. I came home from being away a month and I realized that they're gutting their kitchen and they're reinstalling a brand new, you know, beautiful kitchen. And I'm thinking, how did he get that past the management? Because this is a rental building and you just can't do that. I have increased, I have added so many things to my plate, you know, wall units and, and, and box, you know, valances and on and yeah, on and on. Have. But you I got approval the, each time, right? Excuse so me? I, you got approval. I have I'm to get approval every time. I'm redoing my kitchen floors, I've redone my bathroom. I See, but they won't let me do my lighting. kitchen floor, which is really annoying me. I can't do my kitchen floor. They keep saying no. Even I if you pay for it, back. you mean? I pay for everything I want to do. Yeah, I want to put wooden floor in my kitchen, and they keep telling me no. But you know what? When you ask three or four times, <laughs> you might get a yes. Right. And right. like I wanted to say earlier, you know, if you don't ask the question, you're not going to get an answer. Correct. So mm-hmm. always ask a question. But I'm, but it, what is the rule with rentals, though, when it comes it, to doing work? It's really up to the landlord. You yeah, know, case really, by case. It's a case by case up to the landlord. The landlord has to think, well, is this going to improve the value? Who's going to pay for it? Um, they also may be thinking, like in some cases, Vince, like let's just say the floors, for example, they may know that when you move, whenever it is, they may want to go to this standard flooring that they use in all the other apartments. So they don't want to put your floor in. Exactly you know? correct. So that's the reason why people buy often because when you buy, you can make it your own completely. You have general, generally full control you know, within to reason, approval. subject with, to board approval. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you have a Absolutely. lot more control over what you can do to the apartment. Correct. You know? Except for one exception, though, which is if you want to do something and then you're willing to return it to its original condition. Yeah. Even that, though. A lot of things you can actually push yeah. through as long as you put it in writing with your landlord that you will take out the flooring before you leave. And you my, know, and my that's built so in. insane, isn't it? It's insane. Well, it's insane, but I mean, some people are that yeah. determined to do it. So if they're willing to, you know, But take even it with apart. that, just, just to be clear to the audience, like the landlord still does not have to say yes. Like, no, if you, he doesn't. Like, like right. you could say. And um, you don't have to tell the landlord, too. You just you don't. FYI. Yeah. We did but not say this on this radio show. But you know what though? <laughs> but you know what though? I mean, like, and I just again, I, you're right. But the truth is, like, and I, I maybe just I'm speaking for so much rental experience. Is like you don't want to screw with the landlord because even if if you did that and they find out, mm-hmm. it could be a reason for evi- eviction. And you don't or want to the be the non-renewal evi- of your lease or non-renewal, non-renewal of your decade. lease, or they could jump the rent up. I mean, there's just so many reasons why it's it just always in your interest to have a good relationship with your landlord. Nice. I had to get Sneaky. approval to to. I bought a new refrigerator. Many years ago, stainless steel refrigerator, I wanted to upgrade, and it was much larger. I had to get approval from, you know, my landlord to take back his refrigerator. I wasn't getting rid of it. Like, please take it back. I want to buy a new one, and I had to go through, like, a month of approval. But I live in a great building, so I really can't complain. I mean, anything I've asked for, and they actually run my building like a a white glove condo. Anyway, moving on. The last topic for today, 
on the topic of expenses and everything else going on, the Economic Policy Institute's Family Budget Calculator can calculate what it costs a family to live here. So it adds up to typical expenses, housing, food, child care, transportation, health care, and other necessities. Hmm. How much, though, really does it cost a family to live in this city? Because I think, you know, there are single people who have a, a high lifestyle, and then there are families who live here. Bill, What does it cost? <laughs> Yeah, what are your I mean, expenses now with a baby? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like having another person <laughs> that, yeah. you, that you have to feed, you have to take care of, you have child care, you have classes, you know. Medical expenses. Medical expenses. Dental expenses. I mean, it's everything. just, you know, at least I was warned by, I'm a little, a little older than a lot of my friends that have had kids, so I was warned by them that it's mm-hmm. extremely expensive and it's, you double what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, diapers alone are so expensive. So you, you mean know? it's going to be fifteen dollars a month? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a lot. More. I mean, it's hard to even put a dollar. I'm amount, joking. I'm joking. It's just you know, imagine just you have another mouth to feed, another person that you have to take care of. And that's and, how we and we love doing it, by the way. And we only have about a minute left, unfortunately. But and that doesn't include. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show when you start talking about school. And private schools, if that's on the oh, agenda, and all of the 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 the, uh, the expenses that go along with that, plus as they get older, you know, and the friends and the socializing. So I'm stressing think me out, Vince. I'm stressing you out, but you know, I I, I, mean, I have brothers and sisters who then, have right? families, <laughs> and they live in the burbs, and they're always you know complaining about how expensive everything is. But all I think of is, and all I think we all understand here, because we work with clients, you know, who have families, and they buy very expensive apartments because of the size they need. Uh, it's it's a very unique world here in this town, and it's I think it's a special place to be when you can afford to live here, when you want to live here, when you're raising a family here, because the 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 expense of all of it is out of control. It's just completely out of control. And getting back to something we talked about at the top of this show, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how we we wake up every morning and we we look at the expenses. So I'm getting told we have to go wrap it up, and that is Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning at nine six a.m. Pacific time live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier,